there. Welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. Today's interview guest is Kevin Egan, the rising star soccer and now pro wrestling broadcaster. We've had some great guests lately, including Courtney Stith and Andre Carlisle, John Arnold and Santiago Solari. I also encourage you to check out my podcast series, American Prodigy, the Freddie Adu story. All eight episodes are out, and you can binge all of them to your heart's content. Now, here's my interview with Kevin Egan. Our guest now is one of the rising stars of American soccer broadcast media, Kevin Egan wears a bunch of hats. He broadcasts Atlanta United games for Bally Sports. He's on CNN International Talking Soccer. He hosts a Sirius XM radio show with Ray Hudson. And with WrestleMania taking place this weekend, he's front and center on broadcast these days for the WWE, playing the character Kevin Patrick. Kevin, congrats on everything you're doing these days, and thanks so much for coming on the show. Grant, thank you so much. I'm blushing. What an honor to be on the show. I listen every week, so great fun to be on with you. I mean, I've been wanting to get you on for a while. It's fantastic that you're on now, and the timing is great with the soccer season starting at MLS and WrestleMania happening this weekend. I promise we're going to talk plenty of soccer here today, but... I've got to start with WrestleMania this weekend. You just recently joined WWE. What's the story there on how it happened? Well, I was shaving one day, getting set to go for for CNN, and my agent had said to me, "There's so, there's some interest in uh, a potential opportunity for you." That's pretty much all he said, and he said, "I'm going to pass on your number um, to another agent." And I got a phone call off a New York, New York number, and this is at a time when was this? This was December. 20th um so i think it was around that time and we were getting lots of political calls all of us you you'd get calls from the middle of ohio the middle of wyoming yet you didn't you didn't really get them from new york new york at least i didn't so i answered the phone and um lovely gent over the phone we were having a chat and he just said there's some interest in you from wwe uh, they were scouting out some potential broadcasters and uh, asked would i be interested in going for an audition i'll be honest at the time you know you, sometimes you're you're so driven in one direction and that's that was soccer for me and it has been for quite some time that you're nearly stunned by that when all of a sudden there's any interest in you at all first of all but then any interest in a different avenue altogether so i uh, i told him you know i'm just about to jump on air in a few minutes can i call you back a little bit later i said it to my wife and i've always been one to be honest grant that would never not listen always listen to an opportunity, always listen to what someone has to say and hear them out on anything, whether it's their political beliefs, whether it's you know their football values, whatever it may be. And certainly when it comes to job opportunities, that was the case. So listened and, and, and spoke with my now boss, Michael Cole, and he's the face and the voice of, of SmackDown and has been the face and voice of WrestleMania and WWE for a long, long time. Absolutely brilliant person. And it was a no-brainer for me. I had to go at least audition, at least go see what it's like. And I went down there and, and had a lot of fun. And he threw me into several different scenarios. And I really enjoyed it. And I left Tampa driving back to Atlanta because I was trying to be as, just as careful as possible with COVID. And I remember calling Meg, my wife, and saying, I really want this job. I mean, in, you get it. I mean, like, how, how this just started fairly recently. How has the wrestling work been so far? It's been amazing. From start to it, it's been next level. First of all, the culture within the company is outrageously good. 
I, I'm Chris Whittingham, who you work closely with here on this show, will tell you like I, I'm I'm huge on culture and just being around positive people, creating a good environment so that everybody enjoys going to and, and that's there already. Everybody wants to work there. I, I always ask people, especially when you go for an audition, have you worked here long? Do you enjoy it? Hmm. People are saying, yeah, 15 years here wouldn't change it for the world. And how many places have you worked in, Grant, where that's not the case? You know, where people, the first thing they want to do is, is, is moan about the company they're with. And I was stunned by, first of all, the culture. Secondly, the level of professionalism. Everybody was on their toes. And that's set by the very top. That's set by Vince McMahon. And it percolates throughout the company that it's incredibly professional. And they want to produce the best possible show. Monday nights on Raw for three hours. NXT Wednesday nights. Smackdown then on Friday nights on Fox for a couple of hours. Then you've got your pay-per-views once a month, including WrestleMania, which is a two-night event on Saturday and Sunday at Raymond James Stadium, where we'll be welcoming fans back for the first time in over a year for WWE, which would be really exciting. So... That stunned me. Seeing what's going on inside the ring is one thing. Then you take a walk outside the ring and you're going from one place to another to do one of the jobs that I'm doing at the moment. And you see a scene being filmed where Seamus is beating up someone in the corridor. And then you look another way and there's another scene being filmed where Bad Bunny's driving in in his Bugatti. And there's a part of you that's like, this is the coolest thing I've ever been part of. This is the <laughs> coolest thing I've ever been part of. And I I'm just loving every second. I'm like a giddy child. They've thrown me into different roles. I'm, I'm commentating on a 45-minute show called Main Event that airs on Hulu. Uh, I'm backstage reporter on Monday Night Raw, which is on USA Network. And then I host the, the essentially the post-game show called Raw Talk, which is on Peacock. So it's a busy day, but it flies by because you're having fun. <laughs> so what's the story behind... Kevin Patrick, your your name, like as opposed to the Kevin Egan we've come to know on soccer podcasts. It's, it's very simple. Everybody said to me when I when I went there and spoke to people and when I knew I was going there that you should change your name. It's a stage name. It's like being in a movie. That's all it is. It's there's IP reasons. There's other reasons that you just you should change it for complications down the road. Um, you don't want those blurred lines. So Kev, Patrick is my middle name, by the way. So that was a very easy fix for me and I, I i said to meg we were chatting i just said if i have if i if i do change my name and if i have to change my name patrick's just easy go to i'm not going to forget it <laughs> so like this is a giant audience on television and streaming and if we're being honest here in the, in the stage of growth of american soccer it's probably significantly bigger than the audiences that you get for your soccer stuff and you got a big soccer fan base out there but like I know we're still in COVID times and you're probably wearing a mask out in public, but are you getting recognized more already in public? No, not yet. No, I, I, like, <laughs> like you say, I, I really haven't ventured anywhere. We've been, we've been pretty much bunkering in for the past year. And, uh, you know, I'm at, I'm at the airport now and trying to be careful. Thankfully I've been, I've been vaccinated uh, first shot, at least second shot now in a couple of days. And, uh, not yet, but I did get told that someone said to me, look, you could do 10 MLS cups in a row and you could do one WrestleMania. And all of a sudden people are just going to recognize you on a different level, which scares me in a way because <laughs> I love my close circle of friends. I love my little life. And that, that does scare me a little bit, um, but it's also pretty cool. <laughs> so from an actual work perspective, if, if someone asks you to compare and contrast soccer talk, soccer broadcasts with wrestling, What's similar? What's different? I'm going to become a much better soccer broadcaster because of this job, hands down. 
it's teaching me that there are new, unique ways to tell stories, to create characters. And I hope Atlantic United fans listening to this don't go, oh, no. Listen to this guy. He's going to have Joseph Martinez now becoming this demon, you know, that's sadistic and terrorizing Major League Soccer defenses. I, I, I don't want that to happen. But at the same token, it'll help tell stories. And and I speak with uh, I speak with Tom Phillips. He is the broadcaster for Monday Night Raw, the main commentator. Every single Wednesday, he's part of um, he, he's he's not, I wouldn't say management, but he's he's someone who's an advisor for the broadcasters. And he's younger than me really, really invested in the industry. He's so intelligent and he'll break down an entire broadcast and he'll find the smallest things and say, how about you try and tweak this? Or see the way you're portraying this person this way when maybe it could be this way. And it's just the way he breaks down essentially a game, breaks down a a broadcast. I have huge time and respect for, and I look forward to our Wednesday calls. So I think working in this industry is going to make me a better soccer broadcaster i'm i'm really confident of that by now you're kind of synonymous with atlanta united uh you've been there for a few years um you know they won a championship they also had a rough season last year they just played their first game of the season on tuesday night a wild one in ccl uh that resulted in a 10-man one nil win at alajuelense in costa rica do you think Atlanta United will turn it around this season after everything that happened last year? Big, massive yes. I, I've never been more confident. They're all invested. Every single one of them is, is swimming in the same direction under Gabriel Heinze. And it was a joy to see last night. I enjoyed the match immensely from start to finish. A lot of people say they enjoyed it pre-sending off of Brad Gazan. Gazan, poor old Brad, couldn't do any. I mean, he was put in an impossible situation. Awful right. pass from Barco. Miscued pass. And Brad gets sent off. Confusion over the yellow card at first, then red. It was a bit awkward. But, <laughs> um, and then, and then, of course, young Rocco comes in, mm-hmm. a teenager, his first senior professional appearance, competitive appearance, and he has six saves, a Concacaf Champions League record for Atlanta United. It just became this cool story that I thought Keith Costigan and Alexi Lalas told really well on the broadcast. And uh, I think they're going to be a really good team this year because. There was one sequence where Guzan played it to Santiago Sosa. Santiago Sosa, for me, will be an early shout if you want to bowl take for MLS Team of the Year. Um, he is going to be... Do you know who remi- he reminds me of? An old friend of yours, Grant, uh, uh, from what I remember. Xabi Alonso. Yeah. He plays the exact same way as Xabi Alonso. I'm watching him play last night, and he's got the shaggy hair. He's got the good looks like Alonso. But he's got this elegant ability to receive the ball under pressure look like he's got all day, have a cup of tea, relax, and then spray a pass out to the left or to the right and make it look so easy. And Atlanta United really missed that player. Now, Darlington Nagby wasn't that player. He was a different player. But Darlington Nagby had similar traits. And Atlanta United didn't have that last season at all. Emerson Hyman's not that player. So I'm excited about Sosa. Ibarra adds a bit of steel in midfield. Lissandro Lopez is 38, but he's incredibly fit. He's an absolute warrior. And he, he comes in having had so far an incredible career. Um, and then Miles Robinson looked like a man mountain last night. So I think all in all, this team needed direction. And this team now has direction. This team also, this may sound like an excuse, but Atlanta United have become used to a raucous crowd. And they've become used to that stadium with that fan base that make it so unbelievably electric. And, and they use that 12th man. And the place was just so hollow and empty last year. It just didn't. And it's the same for everybody. I get it. But there's certain major league soccer teams that get 
seven, eight, nine thousand fans a game. That it's not the same. You just can't compare. So I'm I'm excited. I think Gabriel Hansi is the right guy. He's an interesting character. Um, such a hard nose, no BS uh, type guy, and may, that may be interesting for us as broadcasters too. It may provide mm-hmm. a challenge. But I'm, I'm eager to get going. I want to get into sort of your story. What is your story? I know you're Irish. How did you first get into sports media work? Oh, how long have you got? I, I mean, not to go <laughs> get too long winded with this. A long time ago, you know, every as a kid, I would grow up and the, the Saturday nights and the Sunday nights for me were just, I begged my mom and dad, could I please stay up to watch Match of the Day? Match of the Day was the on the, on the BBC in Ireland, we didn't have our own match today at the time, our own Irish broadcast. So Des Lynham was hosting match of the day and it started at 10.45 p.m. So a little bit late for a young young me, but it would re-air again, I think at 7.30 the next morning. So if I didn't catch it at 10.45, I was up the next morning early. Sunday night then was the Sunday game, Gaelic football highlights show. And Michael Lester, who hosted the Sunday game, was my idol. That was the one I looked at. And I always knew deep down, like to, to become a pro, You've got to have a lot of things go right for you, but you've got to have unbelievable debt. I just didn't think I was going to become a pro. I would have loved to have become a pro. And, and when I say pro, mainly a, a Gaelic football player, which is not even professional. Oh. It's an amateur game. My father was a, was a Gaelic football player for the Dublin team in the 70s, yeah. and he won the equivalent of two Super Bowls in Ireland. He won uh, the All-Ireland Championship in 76 and 77, my dad, Liam. And uh, that's how he met my mom in the end. She's from Chicago. So uh, I wanted that that job one day, but I never thought I'd get a chance to be on TV. I never got, thought I'd get a chance or an audition to even do anything remotely close to being on air because it's just one of those jobs that you see. And as a kid, you know, well, how do I even get that? How do I mm. apply for that? It doesn't make sense. But I knew that if I got in the door, at least I could try to climb. And I kept applying over and over again. I'd go to the shows and I'd sit in the audience for like prime times a political show in Ireland. And I'd just keep going back to that show because I wanted to study the, how the red light goes on and how the, the floor manager you know, gives a countdown and those simple, simple things that as a kid, you're just blown away by. And that red light and that studio feel just became so unbelievably infectious. So I got a rundown off a floor manager one day and I, in RTE at the time, the National Broadcaster in Ireland, they'd put the phone numbers on the rundown. So it was easy for everybody to communicate. So I called a bunch of people and was asking for any leads. And I ended up calling the same guy twice. And he said, look, you've got to contact this agency. There's a new agency now and they hire runners to make tea and coffee. Maybe that's an in. Again, sorry, I'm going off on tangents here. Long story no, short, I, I got an interview to, to, uh, to become a runner. And I became a runner at base in Dublin on the Olympics in Athens in 2004. So making tea and coffee, Grant, was the greatest <laughs> in of all time. And here's why. You had access to every room in the building. You, you had a direct eye-to-eye contact with directors, with producers, with on-air talent, and you got to know them. And if you made, if you made a good cup of tea and you got their orders right and you, 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 you shook their hands or you said hello and you, you had a bit of respect, they wanted to get to know you a bit more. Mm-hmm. And eventually that led to research position uh, with Owen O'Callaghan, who's now up in Canada. Owen and I were yeah. researchers together. No uh, Owen wrote this, wrote this book behind me here called Keen Origins. Uh, mm-hmm. Owen and I were researchers together on the 2006 World Cup, wow. and it, it, led, it led to uh, opportunities then reporting for radio. Radio led to some TV, and eventually I looked up at the ladder and I said to myself, there's no way I'm climbing here in a way because I've got 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds mm-hmm. that are just so ingrained in Irish culture. They're not going anywhere. So I need to, to, to go abroad, and I'm, I love my grandmother. My grandmother, Maisie, to bits, and she's, she's in Chicago still. 
and I said, I'm going to go over to, to, to grandma for a year or, or I'll get an apartment and move in with someone and uh, figure it out. But I'm going to go to the US and give it a go. And six months of trying, Grant, I, I was just a part of me was ready to walk. I thought I'd exhausted all avenues. And eventually I, I was in touch with a lady called Lisa Cornwell, who agreed to meet me for a cup of coffee. Lisa's a, a golf broadcaster now. And it led to a quick tour of the Big Ten Network. And that led mm-hmm. to me meeting a producer called Bob Schmelzley, and he's a bubbly, big, big soccer fan. And he said, who's your team? And I think if I would have said Man United, I wouldn't have got the job. But I said Aston Villa. <laughs> so he said, oh, I'm an Arsenal guy. And it led to him, me shadowing him. And that led to me giving my resume to the boss, Quinton Carter, who gave me a graphics job. And there's this Irish guy, Grant, who didn't know anything about college football. And my first day, my first day, I convinced him that I was able and willing to do a non-conference Big Ten football day with 12 games. And I remember asking someone next to me, hey, what does TFL mean? <laughs> I was like, tackle for loss. Like, okay. Uh, and, and just trying to figure it out and stay alive in the game. And then yeah. that led to uh, that led to creating my own little online soccer show for free on the Big Ten Network, which led to the Chicago Fire, which led to being sports and so on. Okay. That's an amazing story. Thanks for sharing it. I mean, it, it's a great example of a willingness on your part to do things that aren't necessarily what you want to be doing eventually, but to get a foot in the door to be working in sports that are maybe things you aren't totally comfortable with to eventually get you to a point where you might be doing soccer. Um, as Jurgen Klinsmann might say, getting out of your comfort zone. True. Uh, and I, I think there's a real lesson there for for students, people who want to get into the business. And Grant, on that real quick, Grant, if you don't mind. Yeah. Someone asked me recently, a good friend of mine, Olivier Brett, he's up in Montreal, and we were yeah. chatting and he, he, he threw out the, where do you want to be in five years? Because he was, he was asking me about WWE and, and, and everything else. And I, I said to him, I have no clue. I have no clue where right. Megan and myself and our family are going to be. I've no, I, I hope I'm alive and well. That's it. And I, if I'm alive and well and the, and, and the ticker's beaten away, I've got a chance. To, to have fun with life and to just enjoy it. And if, and this is why I said, I, I said, I don't know, because I feel that if you have, and this is the way I used to be, if you've got one goal in mind. So if you say, I want to be the host of the Champions League and you throw everything into that networks, it's like going into a restaurant. It doesn't matter if you go into a restaurant and you, you have your eyes firmly set on sushi. You've been thinking about the sushi all day long, but in that same restaurant, you've got amazing salmon. You've got amazing other options. And they really try and sell you on those options. No, you're, you're fixed on sushi. And, and sometimes networks just, they know what they want. And if you're not that person for them, you need to be able to adjust and don't get so down. And I used to get down. If opportunities would come up and, and I wouldn't get them, I'd really let it get inside my head. And now I'm just thinking, no, you, you've got to be flexible. And, and in the end, there's, there's route A, there's route B, but oftentimes a rocky road over the little mountain gets you there quicker. And you can, you can, enjoy doing other things as long as it makes you happy and happiness is the key no matter no matter what we talk about here with the career there's so many things going on with mental illness these days and struggles especially in the midst of a pandemic seek happiness and once you seek happiness you'll be sharper in your mind and you'll be able to go after the things you truly want yeah thanks for saying that um you went to miami you were in chicago for a while you did fire games um, you go to Miami, you join, you join B in sports, which now is looking like 
based on some of the people who've come out of there, we've had on this show, Matteo Benetti, we've had Ian Joy recently, a lot of talent uh, has come out of being, there's still a lot of talent at being, you work with Ray Hudson yeah. on your radio show. Mm -hmm. Like, what was that experience like being the best in yeah. Miami there? I, I, I can't even begin to describe my, my, my four years of being sports. In terms of our life as well, we got married and I got told I got the job. I think it was the night before the wedding. So I remember saying to Meg the night before my wedding, I said, hey, we're going. And it was like, we got to pack up and leave next week. This was all last, kind of last minute in a way. Um, we got to go. So we, we'd never been to Miami before. I was there for a quick audition, but that was it. Um, Kay Murray was the one who did the audition with me and we're the best of friends now. And uh, we went down, had, had a ball for, for close to four years. The people we worked with were incredible. The on-air crew at BN, Grant, I think they're some of the most talented people. And, and there, there are people there that don't shout from the rooftops about how good they are. So many people in this industry want to tell us all how good they are. They want to tell us all how hard they work. And we all get so much luck along the way to get to where we are. For me, Gabrielle Amato is one of the best young hosts there is, full stop. The research she does, the knowledge she has, and it's the culture within being is you're not going to really get the help from too many people around you. You've got to make sure you do it yourself. And there's a small team of people there that would churn out shows each and every day. And I love the culture from within there. And when I got an opportunity to host, I, I was ill-prepared, Grant. I mean, I wasn't ready to host. I had been a commentator with the Chicago Fire in an analyst role, um, which I somehow stumbled upon. And then I'd, I'd host my online soccer show at, B, at Big Ten Network, but I wasn't prepared to host a nightly soccer show. And when the opportunity came to fill in for Jeremy St. Louis, and then eventually we got college football and Jeremy moved to college football mm -hmm. and I, I'd host the extra, you, you have to sink or, you sink or swim. You've got to stay, stay afloat. So that's the culture of being. If you get opportunities when you're a little bit raw, but, they, but the support system is there. Andres Cordero, Ray Hudson, Phil Shane. There's great people there that will always help you along the way. And so many people held my hand at, at the very start. And I'll never forget that. Mainly Kay Murray, quite honestly, in terms of hosting. Kay, I, I mentioned our friendship. We talk most days. Uh, just had her second baby, little Romeo. Mm -hmm. And um, her and Mateo are just the best people. So I, 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 I was so fortunate with the people we worked with and the surroundings allowed me to, to do things and have fun with it. Let's take a quick break from our interview with Kevin Egan. El Clasico is this Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern, and Real Madrid-Barcelona is a huge game in the Spanish title race you won't want to miss. You can watch the game and all the coverage around it on a streaming service I love called Fanatis with a Z. It costs as little as $7.99 a month, and if you'd like to try Fanatis for yourself, you can get a free week-long trial by clicking on the link in the episode description or by going to fntz.co slash grant fz. Thank you very much to Fanatis for sponsoring this episode. Fanatis, the world's largest stadium. So you were leading the studio coverage in 2017 on oh, stop, BN. Why do you have the to bring this up, Grant? The night they, <laughs> the darkest night in U.S. soccer history, the being showing the U.S. losing to Trinidad, failing to qualify for the 2018 World Cup. How did you approach that? His undeniably historic evening. I do certain things differently. If I could go back in time, wouldn't we all? In any situation in our life, certainly, it was a very, it was the most challenging night. I, I would say. 
uh, last summer when Jacob Blake was shot and we were thrown on air and we were the first MLS game on the air and Dan Gargan and I had no idea what was going on. We had no comms people at the game, but this is a separate incident, um, a separate right. day. Both of those days uh, and on-air experiences were the most challenging for me. We were tap dancing on air for half an hour and the players had no shirts on. There was no signal of what was going on. Our producer scrambling to find out what's going on. Now, the NBA were taking a stand at the time, so we had figured this might be it. But you can't speculate on air. You just can't do that. So that was a challenging day. This was unbelievably challenging because the U.S. failed to qualify in the most dramatic circumstances imaginable. Nobody expected this. Our producer, Tim Stannard in Miami, said to me about two hours before the broadcast, are you ready if they don't qualify? And I was like, Tim, come on. They need to get a tie in Trinidad and, and, and the other results are going to go their way. I mean, Costa Rica and Mexico will be fine. Sure enough, that didn't happen. So I, I, I'll never forget saying to Carlos Bocanegra and, and Jonathan Spector and Kobe Jones was coming in to join us. He was in, a, in the booth calling the game with Phil. I said, we've got to go. We're, we're coming on air right now. This is maybe 10 seconds after we found out. And Carlos said, I don't want to go on TV. And Jonathan Spector was a deer in headlights. Jonathan Spector's first time ever on television. Imagine that. First time ever on TV. I love Jonathan, but you can't be prepared for that. I mean, nobody's really prepared for it, but there's a, like, the likes of a Rob Stone is such an accomplished, brilliant host, you know, and he, he meanders his way through broadcast seamlessly. Whereas I think I was probably very, you know, very green at the time. And I'd like to think I asked the right questions at the time. The guys were stunned though. And Grant, I still ask myself the same question. What should the mood have been? At the time, is it one of just, we're all stunned. We, we don't have the words. And that's what it ended up being right? until Kobe came in and Kobe lit a fire. The guys weren't experienced enough like a tailor where they could go off and, 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 and really have that rant. Um, and Carlos was linked to US soccer. Uh, you know, he's, he's on the board at the time, which put him in a difficult situation, right? Not an ideal situation for television. Uh, it, it was an incredibly challenging evening. And I'll never forget coming on camera the first time. This is like our stage manager went missing and I'm trying to get the guys in the right position. And our producer um, said, we're coming on. And I, I had one line before I was going to throw it to Carlos, six-year captain of the U.S. And my only line was for the first time since 1986, the U.S. have failed to qualify for the World Cup. And I'm in the middle of the sentence and my producer, you know, got in my ear and said, give me the fire, give me the, and, and I, it was so loud that I had to actually remove my earpiece because this was a big uh -huh. moment. And I'll never forget, so many people text me saying, why did you remove your earpiece? And I said, I, I, I never, ever did that. I've never done that since. But in that moment, I just needed to focus on what was going on. And so many people were watching. So many people were devastated. I know it's only a sport, but this was a huge moment and, and we needed to get it right. So it was a challenge. Yeah, I, I can remember being in the stadium that night and trying to figure out how I was going to approach covering it, writing about it, at least with writing, you're not in front of a live camera. <laughs> um, though I did get a text from my book editor because I had a book coming out on the eve of the World Cup, basically saying, sorry, we're still going to support your book. <laughs> and I was like, thanks. So I was in a, but like, <laughs> you know, just like, how do you deal with interviewing players post game and, and, and that sort of thing? That was just such a, a tough night for everyone. And I'm too nice, Brent. I'm too nice. I don't have that. I, I don't have that hard streak that certain people have. You have it, you know, like other, other hosts just have it naturally. They, they can get in someone's grill. And there was a part of me that just felt really sorry for the players. I know it sounds stupid, but I just felt I, I was hurting for them in that moment. I was hurting for the fans. And 
I'm one of them, you know, and, and it was a, it was a crap moment, but I learned an awful lot that you need to be a broadcaster. You need to be a pro in that moment. On the opposite end of extremes. I, I think when you're doing, when you're a local broadcaster, like for Atlanta United, I do think it's slightly different because you're attached to those fans. Exactly. I love and it. I think there's a bit more um, latitude with speak. You're speaking to those fans, not necessarily the national audience. Did you get a, I, I know you weren't broadcasting the night that they won the MLS cup, but I, I, I guess I would assume that that was like a, a, a pretty yeah. fun experience. Yeah, huge. I was doing a little bit of in-stadium announcing that night. I was having fun with Dan Gargan. We had a whiskey out on the field after <laughs> after the final whistle. That was an epic night. And and going back to the broadcast side of things, I guess for me, calling Joseph's record goal, which at the time was the 27th goal of the season against Columbus, that was a big moment for me. Yeah. And it was a big moment because I knew it was coming. Like It was with like 10 games to go or something, maybe maybe yeah. five games to go or so. And you knew it was coming. And when he scored it, it was a great goal, a brilliant goal. And you know, as a broadcaster, Grant, like you just don't want to ruin that moment. So make it simple. Make it Try and make it as epic as possible. Give it the energy it deserves and then get out of the way. And I felt like I did a good job of that. Got a few more questions here with Kevin Egan. Really appreciate you taking this much time, Kevin. Um, I've been a guest on your show on Sirius XM with Ray Hudson. Ray is incredible to say the least. How would you describe what it's like to work with him? I'd, I'd, I'd pay to do it. I'd pay to do it. Don't let Joe Tolleson at Sirius XM hear that. But waking up in the morning next to Ray Hudson, I shouldn't let my wife hear this either, is the greatest thing in the world. Because he comes on to our little our, our headset. I've got the, the equipment here next to me. And he, he jumps on the chat with myself and Pete Curry and Patrick Stoller producers, two absolutely brilliant guys with so much energy in the morning, so much zest and enthusiasm for life. And I, I'm, you know, I, I just hope that Ray continues to do this for a long time. We're in the midst of, of, of enjoying a living legend. We are Grant. This is, this is a gift that we get. And if you don't like his style of commentary, that's okay. But enjoy what he offers life. Enjoy the, the natural enthusiasm that he brings to each and every day. I'll never forget one of my first days at being sports was a Commonwealth World Cup qualifying night, which quickly became one of my, my favorite nights at work was the Commonwealth World Cup qualifiers, the best World Cup qualifiers in the planet bar none, the most exciting, the, 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 just the most thrilling. You can never call how it's going to go. And they usually ordered us pizzas that night. Uh, so Ray storms into the room and he goes, ah, pizza. What have they got on it? And it was just this enthusiasm that I had never seen before. And instantly you want to be around people like that. I want to be around people that are good fun, that are positive, that have an outlook on life that's glass, glass is always half full. That's who I want to be around. And when I had an opportunity to host a show with Ray, I jumped at it because I, I'd love when Ray was on the extra. You know, the, the last thing you want is someone coming in who's moaning about the place, who's pessimistic and who's having a, uh, you know, an effect on the culture in the room and Ray's the opposite to that. So I, I love him. I absolutely love Ray as a person. I love what he brings to the broadcast industry, but as a fella, he's so supportive. He's so encouraging of every young person in being sports and every network should be trying to get him. Every single network should be banging down that door trying to get him because he's the best bar none. There's no one better at calling games. Here's why, Grant. 
Football should be enjoyed, right? There's so many analysts that cover the game these days that their glass is half empty all the time. My brother will text me. He's not the biggest soccer fan, but he'll text me and be like, so-and-so is moaning again. So, like, this is, it's always a complaint. It's always, whereas, and I remember walking into the green room one day and I said, oh, defending on that goal or whatever else. And Ray's like, you're not looking at it with the right lens, Kev. Did you see the way he pivoted on the ball? And I thought, that's the person I want to be around. You know, that's, and, and, and I, I just love Ray calling La Liga games. It's a gift to the league. It really is. The thing I love about Ray Hudson, many things I love. One is like, it's no act, like away from the cameras, away from the microphones. Correct. He's the same guy. He's enthusiastic about everything. And it's yeah. absolutely enjoyable every time I talk to him. Um, you have so many balls in the air these days with what you're doing. Recently, you did some work for a movie that, is starring yeah. Kelsey Grammer that comes out in the months ahead. Tell me about it. How random. Grant, I didn't work for five months last year. <laughs> I was trying my best to stay as positive as possible, right? We were all going through a tough time. You, I know you went through a tough time and, and all of us in different ways, but those that kept their jobs and those that had full-time backing from their employers throughout COVID, you need to realize how lucky you are and were. A lot of us didn't. Uh, and, and I really did worry about my family, my wife wasn't working. We moved into our area, into our house the week of lockdown. So we wow. didn't know any people. We didn't have any friends. Um, and this happened. And I, I just I go for runs most days, trying to just listen to motivational podcasts. Um, you know, high performance with Jake Humphreys, one I really enjoy. Just trying to channel the energy of, of I hate saying successful, but people that have huge desires and go after them and, 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 and become those people. And uh, one day I got an email on my website that said, would you be interested in speaking to us about, cast, about a position that we're casting for, for a movie that involves Kelsey Grammer and Ali Brooke, and it's a, it's a soccer-themed movie. And I thought it was a prank. So I, <laughs> I uh, organized the chat and, and got the job and, and uh, went out and I filmed the on-air uh, scenes last November. And just this week, I, I filmed a lot more of the audio, like the, the game calling. I'm essentially playing myself in, in, a, in a similar way to Arlo White and Ted Lasso. Um, so it's gonna, it's a lot of fun. It's gonna be great. It's 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 just something different. Again, you go back to maybe talking about legacy or just your life story. I just want to have several chapters. I want my my book to be interesting. Yeah, I'd read that book, my friend. Even based on what you've already done, I know there's a lot that's coming in the years ahead. So I'll ask you that question. Like we we got into this a little bit earlier, where you talked about not knowing what you were going to be doing in five years. But what what are some possibilities of of things that you might be interested in doing down the road. Well, Kay Murray and I always joke that we're going to host a morning show together. That's going to happen. Nice. Anyway, right? So we're both going to manifest that, that we're going to be on primetime TV every morning with our coffee in hand. <laughs> we joke about it, but but I, I now dabbling into the entertainment world with WWE, uh, I want to stay there for, 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 for a while and I want to have fun there and if they'll keep me. Um, and down the road, who knows? Grant, it's, it's so hard to answer that because life's just too unpredictable right now. I really want to be happy and I am happy. I'm very happy actually. And I've got a loving wife who's so supportive and she's, she's the biggest element to any quote unquote success that may come my way. It's, it's, it's Meg because she's, she's the one who, when I got told at big 10 network that the guy wouldn't put me on the air because of my accent, that, that she was the one who said, well, are you going to, are you going to go through him? Are you going to go around him? Or are you going to let him beat you? And she's not that she's quite soft spoken, keeps her cards close to her chest, but deep down, she's a passionate, loving person. And I, I love her so much. And so I want happiness. Number one, 
And after that, who knows? But I'll keep trying to climb because I love this industry. I'm obsessed with the industry. I'll talk to Chris Whittingham all day about the industry and Kay Murray and Matteo Benetti and Eric Krakauer and these guys. Uh, and I'm lucky to have the friendships. And I just want to continue to meet new people in this industry and, and have fun with it and see where it goes. You brought something up there that is interesting. You, you obviously have an Irish accent. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little, I'm slightly surprised in, in this timing, like maybe 20 years ago, I would have thought that you would have had some issues like the one you just mentioned in Chicago. Is that still a thing in television that like an accent like yours is an issue? Well, who knows? The the reality is I've probably had far more breaks than setbacks because of my accent. No one said I'm hiring you because of your accent. The only time I I got told I won't put you on the air because I want an American was at the Big Ten Network. And it's the only time. And it's only because I pushed them and pushed them and pushed them. I was told I was getting a game. My, my best friend passed away. I went back to Ireland for the funeral. I was grieving and I came back ready to do a game thinking that this was a signal from Andy. And sure enough, he told me no. And, and I eventually had to say, look, what is it? Please just tell me. And he said, I, I won't put your act. And, and, and I thanked him. I said, Thank- wow. you've, 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 you've been honest with me. So I appreciate it. But Grant, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not, WWE may have hired me because of my accent. Because they may try, you know, becoming more international. Who knows? I've got a U.S. passport. How lucky am I? I've got a U.S. passport. My mother's from Chicago. You know, in anything, it's 90% luck and it's 10% of what you make of that luck along the way. You know, I was born into a loving family. Things like that just don't happen for everybody, unfortunately. And I'm, I'd like to think that the accents probably helped along the way, too. So it certainly has. It absolutely has. And I'm grateful for that. Just lastly, a lot of students, people who are aspiring to do what you do, listen to this podcast. Any any suggestions on, from you to them? Oh, and this is this. Be nice. Be kind. Be a good person. Number one, absolutely be a good person. Be careful what you say and do on Twitter and on social media. It's a big it's a big fault of a lot of people right now is they feel they need to share their whole life with the world. And guess what? The majority of it's really boring. I go on Twitter these days, Grant, and I'm so bored of Twitter that I've just, I've stopped going on it so much because, because of the algorithms, the same like 10 people are constantly popping up my timeline. I'm like, I don't care if this is how you cook your pasta. Like there's just certain things that, so, so be, be diligent, work hard, be, be kind to people um, along the way and network. Like it's important to understand that this industry is an industry that you need to understand and know. You can't just know football and soccer and you can't just understand certain sports and expect that people are going to call you. You have to know who's making decisions and where they are. What makes them tick? Do your research. If there's a certain boss at a certain network that's hiring and that boss has been on your podcast, say, for example, make sure you listen to that podcast. Um, Go above and beyond to be kind to people. Reach out every now and then. Network. And if you get to meet someone for a coffee, pay for the coffee. It's the simple things that you can do to be courteous and kind to people that will go a long way. Kevin Egan broadcasts Atlanta United games for Bally Sports. He's on CNN International Talking Soccer. He hosts a serious XM radio show with Ray Hudson. And with WrestleMania taking place this weekend, he's front and center on broadcast these days for the WWE. Kevin, congrats on everything you're doing. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Grant, you're an absolute legend. Keep doing what you're doing. Love the show. Thank you so much. 
Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank Kevin Egan, as well as producer Chris Whittingham. If you like the podcast, you could do me a huge favor and hit that subscribe button and provide a rating and a review. I'm back soon with another interview of someone from the soccer world. Be safe, everyone. See you next time. Thank you.